The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. If you want $20 off your next ticket purchase, go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code TITANSIZED at checkout. I've used SeatGeek before. They are reliable. They are fast. Get into the game for a lot cheaper. Again, $20 off your first purchase if you use the promo code TITANSIZED at checkout. We've got a loaded episode today as we get set to preview the Titans preseason opener against the Green Bay Packers. We will be joined by Teron Davenport of ESPN.com. He just joined the Titans beat last week and he is going to join us in this episode to talk about some of his first observation and look forward to the game. We have interviews with Titans quarterback Blaine Gabbert and cornerback Malcolm Butler. Uh, but before we get to any of that, uh, the three of us are going to talk about our uh, opinions and views and, and predictions for this Titans-Packers preseason opener. So let's start off uh, with kind of big news that has just hit. Uh, Titan, not well, not huge news, Titan Philip Supernaw has <laughs> just been cut, which it was a little odd. He came off the pup list on, on Friday. He did practice some on Friday. Didn't see him on Saturday or on Monday or on Tuesday. And now he's gone from the team. And it's kind of odd. It's not like he was just a camp body. I mean, this is a guy who's been on the Titans uh, for, I think this would be his fourth year on the team. So what do you, what do you guys make of that? And uh, are you, I mean, I don't feel too terribly comfortable with a tight end group of Walker, Smith, and, the Super, and, and Stalker simply because Stalker has close to no receiving ability. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was kind of surprised to see when I was uh, writing the article on his release uh, that Supernaw had only missed one game uh, as a Titan and had played in in all a, of the uh, other ones. It was with a concussion, wasn't it? I feel like I remember uh, that. I, I think so, yeah. It was in 2016. Um, and then he caught his amazing first touchdown last year for Matt Castle in that incredible, incredible uh, showdown yeah. against the right, Dolphins. Right down the road from you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that was, oh my god, let's not even talk about it. But I don't know, I, I didn't really think he was even going to make the team, uh, so I, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Um, I, I was pretty sure that it was going to be Delaney, Janu, and Stalker going into the season, uh, just because Stalker's a better blocker than Supernaw, um, just way more experience. And um, I don't know, I mean, this isn't a Mike Malarkey offense, so we really don't need that many tight ends. Um, supposedly, um, as long as the receiver group uh, develops well. So I'm not too worried about it, um, and I'm not too sad about his release, although I wish him all the best going forward. 
Yeah, um, I think the big concern is like why do it so early in camp? Uh, I mean, what if something happens to Stalker? Then you have to go through all this again. Like, I, I, I get that yeah. he was a see, like it, you know, you don't want two blocking tight ends, but I, I don't know. I, I liked him fine. It, my, I'll, I'll always remember him more for taking penalties on special teams than I will for anything he did when the Titans were on offense. Um. But yeah, I mean, I like Stalker fine. Uh, somebody uh, on the radio compared him to a walking like pillar of granite, talking about Luke Stalker <laughs> he blocks when they were talking about uh, how he blocked the rack phone and got hurt, which is a uh, splattering comparison you can get when you're talking about a blocker, but also probably describes his hands pretty well too. So, yeah. you know, you, you get the good with the bad, but... You know, if that's how they're going to use him and they're going to use him like, you know, and then they're going to flex out Delaney Walker and John U. Smith, you know, so be it. And if something happens, then they'll address it then. But it, it's not earth shattering, but it is kind of strange. Yeah, I, I agree that it is a, a little bit strange. Um, so over the last couple of days of practice in particular, uh, quarterback Marcus Mariota has not looked great. He has looked a lot like the version of himself that we saw for most of last season when he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. He's sailing a lot of passes. Today he threw an ugly interception to Logan Ryan on the goal line that in a real game would have been a 99-yard pick six. Um, He uh, had a near pick from Logan Ryan Friday night at the, the Centennial High School scrimmage. Uh, he threw some more interceptions. It's just it's been a very rough few days, and it, it makes me worry about him. And that you know, we wanted to blame everything on the Mike Malarkey offense, and and sure it was bad, but some of it definitely fell on his shoulders. And we're starting to see that, you know, maybe he still ha- has some stuff to learn. Maybe he still needs to get more comfortable. But I, I haven't seen any improvement from him at all um yeah you probably have the best um like opinion on it because you've been in most of the practices i i I haven't been able to see him at all except for a couple of of video clips on twitter um but i'm pretty much one of those guys that's either going to be like hitting code red hitting the panic button or just being like, ah, no, nah, he's going to be fantastic this season uh, because we have a new offensive coordinator uh, who's done great things in the past. And right now I'm pretty much hitting the panic button because all the tweets that are coming out of camp aren't very, aren't very good. Um, and I'm just, I, I don't, I don't know what his problem is right now. Maybe he's just lost for confidence. Uh, maybe he's just getting used to the, the that new wide base that they want him to work with. Maybe he's just getting used to to the new offense and, and being with the same receivers. Um, but but yeah, this is definitely concerning. I mean, when you're in, when you're in camp and, and practicing and you're not getting hit and everything, you want the quarterback to look like the best player on the field. Um, and it appears that he's been actually one of the one of the worst ones so i am concerned but i haven't been able to see him in person yet um that's why i'm kind of looking forward to this packers game even though in the grand scheme of things it might not mean anything at all yeah i'm not concerned at all which is is not it's not kind of what what y'all are saying i mean i haven't seen him but we've talked about it before that the rotate you know the revolving door at wide receiver with Corey davis going in and out and with 
you know, Tajay playing on the outside and then Nick Williams playing in the slot sometimes and then Deontay Burnett coming in and then Darius Jennings coming in and Taewon Taylor. You know, you've got all these moving pieces that really aren't, you know, there's no guy on the roster who is really, you know, almost a carbon copy of another. You know, Corey Davis is a very specific wide receiver. Taewon Taylor is probably five inches shorter and 30 pounds, you know, lighter than Corey Davis, mm-hmm. but they're boundary receiver you've got Tajay Sharp who's about six foot but you know average height not not necessarily a great you know deep threat even though Corey Davis and Taewon might be sometimes I don't know it's a lot of moving pieces and this offense is based a lot on deception so there's sometimes when Marcus is throwing interceptions where he'll throw two or three touchdowns in seven on seven or red zone or whatever but then he'll also have an interception that, you know, it turns into a 99-yard pick six. But realistically, we know that Marcus doesn't make those decisions in the red zone. So when I see that, I just have to think that he's forcing a ball that he wouldn't normally throw because of, you know, what they're doing. You know, because he's trying to get something out of the wide receiver in the corner and that's what he's been told to do in these drills. Or, you know... It's just he'd rather tuck it and run or do something like that. I mean, we've seen it for three years where he just doesn't make those kind of huge, critical, game-changing mistakes in the red zone. But so. he has made them everywhere else on the field, right? In part, my, my, here, Here's my issue, and then I'll let you kind of finish up. Uh, Titans fans seem to have this idea of Mariota that he's like this elite quarterback who was ruined by Mike Malarkey and that now that Mike Malarkey's gone, Mariota is going to become Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to become Aaron Rodgers. He's just not. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is about him, but he's not consistently accurate with the football. He can be accurate. He is very fast, and he's got a good arm, and he's a good leader. But he, he's too inconsistent and makes too many sporadic decisions. Mariota's always gone the way the the rushing game has gone. So when the rushing game is good and he can run bootlegs off of that or if linebackers will flow or if he can get eight guys in the box, he's always been a better quarterback. That's why when DeMarco Murray was third in the league in rushing and first in the AFC two years ago, the offense just worked a lot better. You know, it wasn't so one-dimensional. If we stop the pass, we'll stop, you know, the entire offense. So – a large part of this whole the floor thing is I think that it's going to be a lot of stretch runs, bootlegs, you know, some kind of counter with motion. You'll get some jet motion off of it. You'll get a lot of different looks that attack all different parts of the field. And then that's not even talking about the screen game. I, I think that when linebackers have to see that for the first time in live action and they have to contend with two running backs who – you know, what, I mean, we've we've been pretty critical of Henry on this show, and I think that's fair. But Deion Lewis, we think, is a good running back. So, I mean, if you've got two guys who should be able to move the ball on the ground who aren't liabilities in the passing game, I just think it'll change. I just think it'll change the way defenses have to play Mariota. But you know, it I, 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 would absolutely, I, I completely agree with with your notion about the running game because the running game was a disaster last year. And, and not all of it was DeMarco Murray's fault. The scheme was terrible. DeMarco Murray, love him, one of my favorite football players of the last decade. He was terrible. 
Derrick Henry was inconsistent, and Mariota, it was all him. And, and as you mentioned, when it's all him, that's when it goes downhill. Yeah, and that's he was that's, also injured for like yeah, half the year. Yeah. yeah, he also yeah, and he was you know before he had his hamstring injury, he had like I think he had three or four rushing touchdowns, which was like tied with his career high, and he had that in like three games. So, I mean, if he could have been more mobile on the ground, I think that would have changed the way defenses played him late in the year. But at any time, you know, there's 28 quarterbacks in the league who, if their running game isn't working and their receivers aren't separating, they're not going to be able to do stuff. You know, it, we're probably out of the window where we can conceivably say that Marcus is going to turn into Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, uh, you know, or somebody or like that. even Andrew Luck. Uh, I mean, yeah, like... Yeah, what Andrew Luck used to be that the yeah, year. Yeah, that's was, what I'm saying. But like, he, Andrew Luck is also not somebody who's really good with ball placement. I mean, I think he led the league in that interceptable passes. A lot of picks. A lot of picks. Yeah, which is picks plus passes deflected. Like, I think he led the league in that twice out of the years, um, out of the last three years he played. So, and, and he's been high every other year. So. He's he's not even the guy that we're describing who's got pinpoint accuracy. He's just not afraid to rip it downfield, and he also wasn't afraid to try to truck a linebacker either. So we'll we'll see how his career shifts now that he can't really, you know, throw the ball away with guys around his knees all the time and all that. So I, I think that's an interesting you know thing to watch. But I mean, even even then, like Andrew Luck at his peak, maybe that guy, but. That there's just not a lot of those quarterbacks, so I don't know if you if he becomes a really good system quarterback in a really good system, then everything's fine. My, my comparison for him and this is kind of the last thing we'll say about this. My comparison with him has always been Matt Ryan. Yeah, that's fine. You, Except Matt Ryan, I'll take Matt Ryan right now. Honestly. Yeah. Probably because not Matt Ryan at his best is an NFL MVP and at his worst is a meltdown quarterback who can't get his team into the playoffs. Sure. And I we think that's the- very similar to the way Marcus's career is going to end up arcing. I hope not, dude. I really do. Not. But You hope I that mean, he's not Matt Ryan? I No, no, no. I'd be fine with him being Matt Ryan. I hope that he can figure this out. Because if I if I have to see him play like he did last year, it, it's it's, it's just going to be brutal. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we'll get that. So hopefully, hopefully. let's talk a little bit about um, Corey Davis. Uh, we'll we'll talk more about kind of the receiving core as a whole when we have Tehran on in a little bit. But Corey Davis uh, left Saturday's practice early. Some people on Twitter saying that it looked like he was grabbing at his hamstring. I, I didn't see what happened. I did see him go into the locker room, so I know that is a fact. Uh, Monday, he missed practice entirely. Afterwards, Teresa Walker of AP asked uh, Vrabel about him, and he kind of jokingly said, your buddy Corey Davis will be okay. Uh, Tuesday, he went out for stretch. He did some some pre-practice install, but then went back inside before any of the actual drills started. Um, you know, I, I told you guys this last night. My main concern with Corey Davis is not that he's injury prone because, you know, the receiver position is a position that's often injured historically. My problem with him is that when he's not injured, he's all he's not doing much and he's not that consistent. Uh, 
you know, I, I used the example last night. I said he can't decide if he's Des Bryant or Justin Hunter. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, honestly, since you said that, I've actually kind of been thinking about it myself, and I'm not sure if he's any good either, and I'm getting a little concerned about it. Uh, it's going to sound so dumb, but like I've been doing these mock drafts for fantasy football, and Corey Davis is going like maybe like fifth, sixth round. A lot of people think he's going to break out, and I'll honestly, admit I, I took a flyer on him in in my only fantasy football league because at his best he's a number one receiver, and at his worst you just drop him and move on. But continue. sure, yeah. But it, but I what what evidence do we really have that he's just going to have? A fantastic season this year. I mean, wh- when did he play well last year? Other than maybe the Raiders game, the New England game um, against the Rams and against New England, correct? And, and it was re- uh, interestingly enough, hit both of his touchdowns were against Malcolm Butler. Yeah, yeah, those touchdowns were nice. I can't even can't even lie about that. Yeah, but that no, was. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Ramsey wasn't stopping those touchdowns either. Like, if, I mean, perfect ball. Yeah, those those Mariota were just put too. like perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he played very well. But that's three games out of, what, uh, 13? Um, and that's just not going to cut it when, when you're the fifth overall pick and when you're supposed to be um, this team's number one wide receiver. Keep going, keep going. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that on top of that, he's also already struggling with health going into his second year when he struggled all of last season staying healthy um, and it impacted probably his performance and it impacted the team uh, negatively. I know that's not his fault, um, but it's just, it's just concerning, especially when Richard hasn't been back, hasn't practiced yet. Um, and I mean, we're going to talk about it later with Turan, um, but the receivers haven't really been all that great in training camp either. So yes, I'm concerned. Um, uh, let me add this, Will, before you hop in. Last season, uh, Corey Davis's rookie season was a lot like Justin Hunter's rookie season, if you think about it. The play that he made against Oakland, the back shoulder catch that was so acrobatic and spectacular, that was Justin Hunter's uh, catch against the Chargers. Okay, mm. The game he had against the Patriots where he caught two touchdowns was the game that Justin Hunter had against the Raiders where he caught two touchdowns and, and was uncoverable for one game. It, it's sounding more and more like, uh, not necessarily a great analogy, but at least something worth discussing. I don't know. Will, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I mean, so, you know, I, I went to UT, you know, all that. So I saw Justin under tear his AC on the Florida game. Like, I, I remember when he was so little that his body just couldn't handle how fast he was and how athletic he was. If Justin Hunter was healthy his whole career – I mean, he's a number one receiver in the NFL. Like, there's no doubt. No, I mean, you can say that. I I mean, I watched every reception that guy had until he left. If that guy stays healthy and doesn't get hurt, and especially against in the Florida game, like that guy is a number one wide receiver. Because I mean, he put up some of the best athletic testing numbers that any wide receiver has ever put up, and he's six four. So, all all that aside, Corey Davis is not that kind of guy. Like. Corey Davis was terribly misused last year, and it's crazy how quickly we forget all the Eric Decker swing uh, uh, screen passes. Oh, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. Like <laughs> there, there was like there's a reason why he didn't put up a lot of yards, and that's because this offense was designed by you know somebody who hadn't. I, I, I don't know it. 
we we've done we've done this podcast before. We we've done this where we bash the offense about how bad it is, and it's just been a while I think since we've really seen the futility of you know fourth and ten, and everybody runs an eight yard curl, and Adoree Jackson is the guy they is on the field, and we're targeting David Fluell or whatever happened in the Cardinals game oh, of black. My, but I cannot believe you know in that that Rams game that you brought up, uh, yeah. last play of the game, fourth down, game on the line. David Flewellen as a wide receiver. I will yeah. never forget. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my that, god. That's what I'm talking about is it, it you know when in the Oakland game, you know, we talked about it. They made a real effort to get him the ball and he ended up with like what like six or eight receptions on 10 targets and had some really nice catches. Like I mean he he he's looked good when they've tried to feature him in the offense, but there's been too much, you know, two running backs in the backfield, dumb play that gets you into second and 12, and then you have to dump it to Delaney, and then you make a stupid call on third down. You know, there's too many, like, bad play designs that haven't had him in a position where, you know, he has a good opportunity at success. You know, you watch good offenses like the Rams ran last year, like the Vikings ran for some of the time with Stephon Diggs and Thielen. Like, you watch good wide receivers work, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Like, when you see Corey Davis in college and you see him in the slot because he's going to abuse the third corner, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to line up Eric Decker in the slot and throw it to him on a swing pass and have Corey Davis catch it and Eric Decker get caught from behind by the yeah, slot corner. Yeah, It just, like, and it, it's not only that. It's like Rashard Matthews was the number one receiver last year and I'm not saying he shouldn't have been he was fine but you know there were very few times when they tried to scheme to get their 6-3 wide receiver to be against a guy who was shorter and put him in a position to win so I I'm not I'm not worried about Corey Davis in terms of what he can be as 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 far as talent goes I don't like the hamstring and I understand why people can be concerned about that but you know until it keeps him out of a game even if it's a preseason game I really don't think it's that big of an issue I think yeah. you're probably right. And uh, I really don't want to compare Corey Davis to Justin Hunter at all for a couple of reasons. Um, it's Corey like, Davis it's is... like sacrilege. It's like, yeah. it's like comparing it, yeah. Jesus to a McDonald's hamburger. Yeah. I mean, Corey Davis was in great <laughs> yeah. last year, but, I mean, he, he, he was way better than any season that Justin Hunter had here. Um, also, he's a way better blocker. And Corey Davis was one of the the most productive college receivers of all time. Uh, Justin Hunter was not even close, although I think he had maybe one good season uh, before he got injured. Um, so, so let's, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, we're, we're concerned because we're expecting a lot out of him, uh, but he's not Justin Hunter, and I, I don't think he will be. And I think it's fine to say that we don't know what Corey Davis is. Yeah, like, I agree with there's, that. There's a good the jury chance. is still out. Yeah, there's a good chance that he's, you, you know a guy who's really good 20 yards down the field at catching jump balls and making something happen after that. But he may not be, you know, Calvin Johnson where you can just swing it to him and he's going to run. You know, he may not be a true, you know, Julio Jones type wide receiver, but not everybody is. I mean, once they find out what he's good at, then we'll know what he is. But we just don't have the right sample size in an offense that makes sense for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, b- before we move on to talking about some about the Green Bay Packers, 
I think we would all three agree with the notion that it, it's okay to, when it comes to Mariota and to Davis, be concerned, and it's certainly okay and warranted for some skepticism, but it, it's not fair to label either one of them a bust or to say that, well, it's over. I think we would all agree with that. No, absolutely not. And Mario just already won a playoff game, so he's not even a bust at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't, he'd have to. He'd have to be just god awful over the well, next. Couple he would of have years. to pull a Jameis Winston and grope a rideshare driver. Correct. Yeah, Mar- Correct. I mean, Mario is one year removed from having an eight-game stretch where he scored more points than any other quarterback yeah. in the league. Like you know, he had a bad season, but. It wasn't too long ago when everybody thought he was, you know, the young quarterback, and everybody thought that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, you know, were going to bust. So, and most people, most like uh, big, like I, I don't know how to say, it, like national media analysts, they're still pretty high on Mariota as is. Whenever they do, um, whenever they do quarterback rankings and such, Mariota is still pretty high on their list. So, well, I mean, I mean take that. Jared take Carr that was so bad last year. I mean, oh, that, that pushes him up. Jameis, you know, his down tick pushes him up. What young quarterback is even good? I don't, I don't, I don't know if any of them are good, honestly. Carson Wentz, that's who's good. He's the only young quarterback. Deshaun Watson got, got barely a knee between his two legs. So, um, Goff missed a lot of easy yeah, plays Goff, last Goff, year. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see Mitch, how golf uh, Mitch Trubisky, when I got to watch him last year when the Titans played the Bears in the preseason, yeah. his arm was impressive. He had a much bigger arm than I expected. Yeah. I, I like Trubisky. I think he actually has a really good, nice future in front of him. What's the uh, – Dan Orlovsky, is that the quarterback who – Yeah, yeah. The new quarterback. I mean, he's been in this offense and learned it and said that all this struggle during the preseason is just what happens in this offense. That There's so many reads and you have to, yeah. you know – that you have to read while you're moving on the run. and But, I mean, Jared it, Goff had a Pro Bowl season his first year in this offense, and I think that's – I don't think it's unfair for people to say that Mariota needs to have similar success. Yeah, yeah but, but we don't have Sean McVay. We have LaFleur, but we don't have McVay. Yeah, and yeah. I think, I think uh, a lot of it needs to be contributed to, like, screen passes to Todd Gurley, too. Cause yeah, we Todd, don't have Todd Gurley. <laughs> I think he was their leading receiver. So I think that I think John Robinson probably wishes he had Todd Gurley. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure everyone does. does. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, someone's good. It's like Jarrell Casey a couple years ago. You know, someone's good when they get a contract extension when they still have two years left on their deal. Yeah, yeah. when there's when there's absolutely no leverage, you just know they're going to get more expensive. Yes. So, you know, they have a star player on offense, and I'm not sure we have that yet outside of maybe Delaney Walker. So He's a star. It'll be interesting to see. And also something that Jared Goff didn't do that we'll see from Marcus is Marcus may run for 500 yards and six touchdowns in this offense, but only pass for 3,500. Marcus ran for like six touchdowns last year because no one was ever open and he would just have to run. Yeah, but <laughs> now he may do it like effortlessly. Like <laughs> yeah, it may just I get what you're saying. Yeah, he may just take eight-yard runs because the defense has to play so far back. So, I mean, people are going to point to passing stats and all that. And Golf had, what, 4,000 yards last year? I mean, he had a good season. So, I mean, there's a chance that Marcus doesn't pass it. But total yardage, I would bet that Marcus passes it. So let's talk a little bit about the Packers. Uh, This is a team that I'm not that high 
personally on their roster. But as for what we kind of expect in this preseason game, I think the biggest, uh, most interesting matchup is going to be some of these young Titans receivers like Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp. I, I don't really expect Corey Davis to play just because of, of what's uh, unfolded in the last few days of practice with his injury. But Taewon, Tajay, even Michael Campanero, Darius Jennings going up against Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. Because because both of those guys are rookies, they're going to get a lot of playing time, and I think that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. I, um, yeah, and I just want to say that the Packers really did well to get Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander. Yeah, absolutely. Because that secondary was looking very rough. It was, um, it was ha-ha Clinton Dix and nothing. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, Quentin Rollins was very inconsistent. He's good. He's he's good every now and then. He signed Tremont Williams back, but he's like thirty-four years old or thirty-five yeah. years old. I mean, I mean, he had he had a great season last year, but I, I can keep that up um, at such an advanced age. Uh, I really do. I I think the receivers are probably the the position group that I'm most going to keep an eye on. Uh, I I really want to see Deontay Burnett and and Taewon. Just, just play well because I think yeah, that's gonna um, be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, because I, I mean, all the reports have been really good from Burnett. Um, and I mean, we've been talking about him ever since he signed as an undrafted free agent. We've kind of like penciled him into the, into the, into the fifty-three man roster just because of his, his pedigree. Um, how good he was last year with Sam Darnold, and uh, and because of the the state of our of our wide receiver group. Um, if I were to say another position group that I'm kind of interested in seeing, um, it's our linebackers against, um, against, the against the Packers running backs, because all three of their running backs are really, I don't know if they're that good. Aaron Jones is, is their best pure runner. Um, but Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams are really good catchers. Um, and as we've seen over the past couple of years, our linebackers have been very good at covering, uh, running backs and tight ends. Um, so I want to see how they do against those shiftier uh, running backs that are really good as pass catchers and also against uh, the Packers tight ends. Hopefully Jimmy Graham plays um, so we could see uh, we could see some of our linebackers match up on him, maybe get Rashawn Evans on him for a couple couple plays and see how he handles that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know of another team who's gotten better in the defensive backfield this offseason uh, than... Uh, the Packers, so that that'll be fun to watch. Something I'm really curious to see is David Bakhtiari got hurt um, in a practice. I think he rolled his ankle or something. And if my left tackle, who I'm going to end up paying, you know, near Taylor Lewan money at, at some point, whenever he's or w- whenever he's due for an extension, yeah. I, I don't I don't know that I would play him in the first preseason game, especially when I talked to people and they said that Aaron Rodgers usually doesn't play in pre in the first preseason game. Or in the second preseason, yeah, you're probably so, not, you're probably not going to see Aaron Rodgers. You're you're probably not going to see David yeah. Bakatiari, and, and Matias. Ran- I, I I wouldn't expect to see Jimmy Graham out there. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm not expecting it, but we will be able to see Deshaun Kaiser. So get ready for that show, baby. That's right, baby. Um, but, uh, you know, so you're going to see. You know, the backup tackles are Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy. I, I know they played Spriggs a lot. I wonder if he plays some, but either way, you're going to go against a backup uh, left tackle, which 
is fine because Brian Arakpo probably won't play, won't play in this game, and Derek Morgan may play like five snaps. But I think it'll be really interesting to see how Harold Landry and Aaron Wallace do, who've been the second pairing of edge guys. I, I, I said it before, I think Aaron Wallace, and I said it a lot last year, I think if he's healthy, he can be a really good speed element off the edge. And now they have Landry, that's two guys who can really get upfield quick I wonder if they just let those guys pin their ears and go, even if they let, you know, an eight-yard rush happen or something like that and just say, just show me what y'all can do as pass rushers and then we'll adjust later because that'll probably be their role going into the season. So I'm really interested to see how they do against backup quarterbacks and backup tackles where they should have success. All right, we're about to welcome uh, Teron Davenport of ESPN.com onto the show. But before we do that, I was able to catch up with Titans quarterback Blaine Gabbert after Monday's practice and get his thoughts on the preseason opener against the Packers. You looking forward to playing a real game Thursday night? Yeah, it's crazy how fast kind of the first game sneaks up on you. Um, but, you know, we've been putting a lot of work and time into practicing throughout the summer and now into training camp. It's going to be fun to get out there and play against a different team. What's the biggest thing that changes for you as a quarterback going from the practice field to actually playing a full contact game? You know, it's funny, Braves was talking about that the other day, just really taking the meeting room to the field and carrying that in to individual drills and then the one-on-ones into the, into the team periods, and now it's carrying the team into the game. And so um, as a quarterback, you just want to play good, consistent football, execute each and every play not get ahead of yourself and, uh, and just go out there and have some fun. A lot of people who sit around here and watch practice want to say, well, you know, the offense looked bad today, but that's not necessarily fair because in practice it's hard to kind of have a running game. You don't have play action to go <laughs> off of. Are you looking to maybe have an effective play action on Thursday when you can't really have that in practice? You know, I, we're just going to go out there and execute the game plan the coaches are going to put together. I know the offensive line is, is eager to go out there and and uh, establish kind of our identity on offense. and. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch all those guys go out there and play um, on both sides of football. I'm excited to watch our defense and special teams get after it. You've been missing kind of the veteran of your group, Rashard Matthews, and, and Corey Davis sat out today. What's it been like working with these younger receivers, Taewon, Tajay? It's a lot of fun. Those guys are eager to learn, um, and they just want to keep improving day in and day out. Um, they're extremely attentive in the meeting room, and um, those guys are just making consistent improvements, and uh, they've been a lot of fun to work with. Appreciate Blaine Gabbert taking the time with me after practice. And now we are going to welcome in to the show the, a, the new Titans analyst for ESPN.com, Teron Davenport. You can follow him on Twitter at TDavenport underscore NFL. So uh, you, you joined the Titans beat about a week or so ago. And though you are now considered a Titans insider by the fact that you work for ESPN, mm-hmm. Uh, you're a bit of an outsider in that you did just join the beat a week and a half ago. So starting off, s- since you've come to Nashville and started observing this team, what are just some some general observations you've made, maybe some players that have stood out to you? What, what has stood out to you about the Titans since joining the beat? Well, I think it all starts with the energy from the coaching staff, whether it be Coach Rabel, Coach O'Hara, Coach LaFleur. You know, Coach Kerry Coombs, how could you mention energy and not mention that guy? And uh, even, you know, um, just the way that they're operating in practice is so involved with, with the players. You see some of the coaches actually giving themselves up as, as tackling dummies or even you look at on uh, Tuesday when, when Coach Raber was working with Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro working at point of contact. I see a lot of 
play involvement with the coaching staff. And this is something that I saw in Philadelphia, you know, with the Eagles staff. So it's exciting to see that. And uh, that's something that has stood out. Another thing that has stood out is just how comfortable Marcus Mariota is when throwing on the move. I mean, it seems like you get that guy in, in, in motion, you know, on boots and rollouts and that kind of thing, and, and he just becomes a totally different quarterback. So that's something that stood out. The, the work ethic of, of Kenny Vaccaro since he's come in has been something that stood out. Um, Deontay Burnett, just the way he operates in, in space as a receiver, runs the efficient routes. There's a lot of things. I mean, we could talk till tomorrow uh, about some of the things that, that have stood out. But, you know, those are some of the first things that come to mind. Even the competitiveness of the DBs, you know, Logan Ryan to Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, who's an outstanding player. I think Adoree is underrated mm-hmm. uh, because of his size. And some people say he may not be the guy that could, you know, go against bigger receivers. I, I think that's a myth. I think it's all about your ball skills your ability to go up and, and fight for the football. And having played receiver, you know, I understand that, that what goes up must come down, meaning as you bring the ball down, you have to be aware of a DB fighting to get the ball out as you bring it down. So I don't care if he's 5'11 or 6'4", at some point he's going to be able to come in contact with the football. And that's something that Doria has worked on, fighting as the receiver looks to the tuck. So there's a lot that stood out, like I said, but, uh, you know, those are just a couple of things. Uh, hi, to Ron. This is Matthias. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, I, I want to no, go back no to one of your one of your first points uh, that you mentioned about the the practice atmosphere, uh, and I kind of just want to get your take on what the main differences are that you've noticed between a Mike Vrabel practice uh, and a Doug Peterson practice. Um, uh, they're both very intense uh, guys. They're they're both very much football guys want to know um what you've noticed that maybe they do differently or they do similarly you know honestly the practices are very similar uh the tempo is there where guys are moving from station to station you don't see as much downtime there's a lot of focus on special teams which is something that that i got used to over the last two years with with dave fit one of the best special teams coaches in the league you mm-hmm. saw a big focus and that's something that i'm, I'm seeing from Vrabel. Uh, if i could <laughs> I laugh because, you know, the one difference will be the music. You know, that's, that's something where you know, I, I have to adjust to uh, getting used to a lot more country music and not as much hip hop. Um, you know, Doug Peterson kind of, he will let his guys go. You know, you, you get a lot of Kanye West and, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar. Today's and playlist was whatever, not you know, Drake, Meek Mills. Yeah, it's, it, there's definitely a difference in the playlist. Although, you know, shout out to Adoree Jackson today. He he switched it up and, and had him play Space Jam, you know, so I, I got a little <laughs> charge out of that. But, you know, it's it's a lot of techno, and apparently, you know, that's something that, that uh, Mariota likes, so they they got to satisfy the quarterback, that's for sure. But, um, I mean, that would be the difference. I mean, there's so many similarities because you look at both of these guys, they're former players. And they're they're very confident within themselves, and that they weren't concerned about bringing coaches who who you know can coach coaches who are, are are guys that will be able to get a spotlight on them. You know, coaches who have the ability to advance. You know, Matt Lafleur is going to be a head coach at some point. You know, so you're looking at guys uh, on a coaching staff where you know they're willing to step aside and let somebody else go ahead and. and and do what they do, and, and that's a similarity. And then also just with the former player aspect, 
what these both of these guys understand is is that they have to communicate with their players and they, they have to you know give them enough rope to to go ahead and, and and help dictate how things go that's something that you call emotional intelligence that's something that Doug Peterson really brought to the Eagles after the Chip Kelly dictatorship and uh, the, the guys loved him for that and they were willing to buy into his culture and that's something that I think uh, Mike Vrabel was instituted. Hey Tron, uh, this is Will. Uh, glad to have you on. Uh, uh, you don't you don't know this, but I'm a graduate from the University of Tennessee, and I was up there when Derek Barnett was the first freshman defensive end to ever play for the team. How does it compare to see Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham and Benny Curry and all the pass rushers that were there to guys like Ryan Rackpo, who you saw for a little bit, Derek Morgan, and Harold Landry? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to compare the two, to be honest with you. And even, you know, with Barnett, and I was talking to uh, Harold Landry about this on Friday, and there, there's a similarity between the two and that they could run sideways. And you, you see them just the ankle flexion, you know, to, to get out of using, you know, football terms. Just the, the way that their ankles are able to stabilize as as they bend themselves you, you know, and, and when they're coming off the edge, you know, they literally are, are able to run sideline, uh, sideways. Excuse me. I don't think anybody could do it quite like Derek Barnett, but, you know, you see traits of it from, from Landry. Uh, Brandon Graham, I mean, when you look at BG, it, this is a guy that is ridiculously strong. He has an amazing get-off, and uh, his bull rush is something that, that is it's ridiculous. And when you look at his ability to rush the passer, as a defensive tackle as well as a defensive end, um, there's a lot that he brings to the table. And you look at his his play that he had in the Super Bowl, that sack strip with Tom Brady, that came as a D tackle. There was another play I remember um, against the Seahawks where he, he took uh, Luke Jocko, who moved inside and played guard. He took him and, and he jacked him, and he saw Russell Wilson getting ready to go to the outside, so he threw Jocko to the outside forced Russell Wilson to run inside, and what did he do? He sacked him. So it, it, you're just dealing with different creatures when you're talking about that Eagles pass rush. Got to mention Chris Long, you know, um, Fletcher Cox, you know, now Michael Bennett. I mean, that's a whole different creature. But one thing I will say, you look at Derek Morgan, his get-off is outstanding. He is a guy that could, you know, be that inside and outside rusher. For them, I saw he and Howard Landry one time. They put Dennis Kelly in the spin cycle, man. They both came off the line, and there was nothing that Kelly could do. And uh, Mar- Mariota was set. You know, obviously they didn't tackle him, but they both were right there. Coach had to blow the play dead. So you got pass rushers there. Um, Landry, though, is really exciting. I think he's going to have a high sack number and lim- limited snaps. I'm curious as to what you make of this running back situation that the Titans have, have found themselves mm. in because uh, for the past two years, it's been DeMarco Murray's show and no one has really doubted that even, even last year when Murray wasn't as healthy as he would have liked to have been. And Henry might've looked a little better. Everyone knew that DeMarco Murray was the starter this year. It's very different. Actually, I had a friend the other day asked me which Titans running back should I draft in my fantasy football draft? And I said, I, I have no idea. Because that's just kind of been the nature of this competition so far. We've seen them rotate a lot. We've seen Deion Lewis get some work in red zone and be effective there. And we've seen Derrick Henry, you know, as Mike Vrabel said the other day, he's a very good first and second down back. I know Deion Lewis is a guy that you like a lot. Uh, 
what do you make of this running back situation, and how do you think the Titans should utilize these two guys? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, if I mentioned the, the the Space Jam song earlier, but if you think of the movie, how you know, like they took the guy's powers. And it's almost like if if you look at uh, Derrick Henry and you look at uh, Deion Lewis, they're totally different as far as size, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to be honest with you, Deion Lewis in my opinion, runs inside better than Derrick Henry does. Yeah, and we're, I would we're talking about like that. complete different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you took Derrick Henry's the size, uh, the size power from Derrick Henry, and put that in uh, Deion Lewis, and you you got a nice, tough back that could also bounce it outside if need be. So uh, I mean, uh, when I look at him, I, I I always like guys like under un, overachievers, you know, guys who are mm-hmm. undersized and that break that size. Uh, being a skill myth. That's something that, you know, when I was with football game plan, we'd always say size is not a skill. You don't you don't judge a player because of his size. And conversely, when you look at Derrick Henry, right, and you see a guy that's so big, you don't think that he's someone that could put his foot in the ground and accelerate up the field, you know, find that those those rushing lanes or cutback lanes. But he's always able to do that. And that has resulted in some long runs for him. So you don't look at a guy that big and think of that. You think he's just a guy that will just, you know, uh, uh, lower his shoulder and try to bowl people over like a Brandon Jacobs when he played for the uh, for the Giants. So um, the running back situation is interesting. Both of the guys are very capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. Now, obviously, Henry, you know, with the high hips, he's a little bit more of a, a stiff route runner. But you're seeing him work a lot on, on his routes out of the backfield. He's even motioning to the outside. And and you know running routes from there, uh, he's running routes from the slot, being flexed. So I uh, I think it's going to be interesting how they're going to make things happen. And you have to do what they are doing because you can't be so like so predictable, right? You can't have it where okay, Deion Lewis is in the game, they're going to motion him out, they're going to let yeah. him catch the ball out of the backfield. Okay, Derrick Henry's in the game, they're going to run power. You have to mix it up. Uh, I wanted to stick on offense um, and talk a little bit about the receivers group um, because g- going into the offseason, I think the receiver group was probably um, one of the bigger question marks. Um, and I, th- I mean, if you ask me, I think the, the wide receivers are the biggest weakness on the roster right now. Um, and there's still plenty of question marks uh, in regards to the group. Rashard Matthews hasn't practiced uh, all training camp. Uh, Corey Davis recently um, went into the locker room. We're not sure exactly if he's injured or if they're just uh, keeping cautious. Uh, it appears Deontay Burnett and Darius Jennings have really been the two best receivers um, out in practice. Um which is good because they're young receivers and it'd be great if they could contribute, but you really be more out of uh, the top three per se, which would be Taewon Taylor, Corey Davis, and, and Tajay Sharp. Um, and it feels like we haven't seen that. Um, so my question to you really is, do you think the receivers group um, is the biggest weakness? Um, and do you think it's going to plague the team uh, during the season? Well, you know, I don't really call the receiving group a weakness. I, I think it's, it's, it's a question mark, but it could quickly be turned into a strength. You look at Corey Davis, he's the couple practices I've seen him practice. He, he had a pretty good uh, couple practices. You know, obviously going against Malcolm Butler has, has caused his, his difficulties, but make no mistake about it, he's caught passes on him too. Now, his health is the main issue. 
it's never been an uh, ability thing with him. If he could stay healthy, he could he could ball. I mean, the dude is very talented. So I think keeping him healthy and, and giving him a chance to continue to work on the timing. And when you look at these RPOs, you know, that's going to help also because he's a catch-and-run guy. So Mariota is really good at, at, at executing RBOs, RPOs. Excuse me. He did that when he was at Oregon. So he set that up to, to be in a good situation, Corey Davis, that is. Now, Tajay Sharp, uh, he, he could be a little hot and cold. But I, I tell you what, it, there's more to him than just watching him catch the football. The other day, I think it was Wednesday, I watched him line up against Malcolm Butler, and he beat him off the line of scrimmage immediately. And he was able to stack him, and Mariota threw it to him. He saw it and threw it to him on, on a go route. They couldn't connect. But the fact that a taller guy like Tajay was able to win at the line against, you know, a very aggressive corner like Malcolm Butler is a good thing. And then Tajay came back the very next play. He ran a nice little whip route, and he was able to turn uh, uh, Malcolm Butler around with his outbreaking move before he, he broke it back in, inside, and it was an easy completion. These are the things that you want to see. You want to see a guy, you know, uh, be able to come back after not making a play, come back and make that play. You want to see the quarterback go back to him immediately. So that's a good sign. Uh, Taewon Taylor has just kind of existed in, in my mind. Um, I did see him make a nice deep catch on uh, Tuesday, but he is someone that you would want to see a little more from. I think for, for him, he's one of those guys that has to become more comfortable in the offense to really show what he could do. And it's just like, hey, look, I'm new in Nashville right now, right? So, you know, for me getting from my, my place in West End to the stadium, uh, the first time it took me a little bit longer, right? But, you know, um, this time, like, I'm, I'm right on the riverfront now. This time when I, when I came down to the riverfront, I knew exactly where I was going. Why? Because I've already done it. I'm comfortable <laughs> with it. And that's just the same with Taewon in the offense. You know, if you're not thinking as a wide receiver – you're going to play that much faster. If you go out there and you line up, you know, okay, I, this is my route, but if they, if they roll from cover two to, to single high, my route, I have to convert it. I have to bend my post, you know, not as much because I, I'm not worried about splitting the safeties. I have to go up the hash, and, and you know, I have to, to make sure I don't go to where that safety is occupied in the middle of the field. That's a lot of stuff to be thinking about. So you can't play as, as, as well and as fast as, as you need to. And I think that's what Taewon is going through. So as he gets more comfortable, you'll begin to, to see him uh, really start to excel. Now, another guy, Devin Ross, is someone I, I think we need to mention. Yeah. He had a pretty good day on Tuesday. So he's, a, he's an outstanding route runner. He's sure-handed. I mean, he had one. <laughs> I was standing on the sideline uh, during practice on Tuesday, and, and he ran a, a deep comeback. And uh, the quarterback, I think it was Gabbert, threw it. And, uh, it was a rope. And um, I saw it come in my direction, and I was like, man, I don't know if this dude is going to catch it. So I put my hands out just in case it was deflected so my hands would be there to catch the ball. And that thing stopped. It was like, stopped right at his hand. And, I, you know, he, he saved me from having to, you know, show everybody what kind of hands I have, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, um, <laughs> being serious, he, he has really good hands. That's something that I saw. And his route running ability, and he's another one of those sizes and not a skill guys. He plays bigger than uh, he actually is. So he's been impressive. Deontay Burnett is a route technician. I tell anybody, you know, with him, he's one of those guys where it, there's there's more than measurables with him. You know, some some guys are just football players. 
and that's Barnett. You go back, you watch his game against Stanford. You watch his game against Texas. I mean, those are two of his best games from last year. And uh, he, he's someone that's not afraid to sell out. He'll die for the ball. Uh, when the ball comes his direction, it's like nine out of ten times he's going to catch it. Literally every practice that I've been at, Deontay Burnett has made a play. So he's someone else to watch. Go, going to the defensive side, uh, which is where I like to stay, uh, we've had Dick LeBeau for the past couple of years before we got peas, and nothing against Dick LeBeau, but for as good as the Titans looked statistically, there were a lot of times when it would be third and seven and we'd see three guys rushing, and it's just a miserable way to live. You give these soft zones in the middle of the field or you play man coverage and your third corner gets beaten because you don't have any kind of pass rush. It's it's hard to watch defensively. So uh, there's a story that Jim Schwartz, when it was the uh, game-winning drive that the uh, Patriots were trying to put together, he told Doug Peterson that he was going to give him the ball back either as a turnover or they were going to you know miss an assignment and let him score. Like it was it was do or die, super aggressive. Is that something you see from Dean Pease, or are we going to get another Dick LeBeau where? We are top five in blitzing, but really when it matters, we're more tentative than aggressive. I think you're going to get a mixture of both. Um, with with Jim Schwartz, he's not somebody that blitzes as much. Like He'll bring an occasional safety blitz, but he likes to use that front four, and that's why they focus so much on the front four in, in Philadelphia. Uh, looking at Dean Pease, um, I tell you, he was able to benefit from having one of the best pass rushers ever. Mm-hmm and uh, Terrell Suggs. But I, I think what you're going to see is, is you know, you'll see some blitzes. I think you're going to see more um, just just coverage. You know, guys in the secondary being moved around, and that coverage allowing the guys up front to go ahead and, and, and get their sacks. And that's why I think such a focus has been on, on that secondary. You know, you got a first-round pick in Adore Jackson. you got a, a, a high-profile free agent in Malcolm Butler. Last year, you know, a high-profile free agent and Logan Ryan. And then, uh, you know, you, you got that the, the corner or the safeties, rather, you know. Say what you want about Vaccaro. He is somebody that can match up. Uh, Kevin Byron has already shown what he could do. So I think you're going to see a lot of coverage sacks. And you're going to see blitzing, you know, as far as guys coming off the edge. And one of the things that I, I think, uh, you look at Harold Landry, he, he's going to have an, an Elvis Dumerville type of role with uh with the uh the titans you know uh dumerville had had a career year with dean pease as his dc you know coming off the edge and, and getting that opportunity to just pin his ears back and go after the quarterback so i think that's where you'll see action i haven't really seen as much uh linebacker blitzes and even safety blitzes uh, actually i don't recall seeing a, a safety blitz um well the only one i could recall frankly was the one that is, jonathan is one that Ciprian got yeah. hurt on <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's more of just uh, uh, the, the back end making things happen for the front end, and I think you know for this team, the secondary is the strength of this team. You know, some people will say the linebackers, you know, including the outside guys, and I mean, I haven't seen a rack ball on the field, so that's you know that's a whole another element that that could be mixed in. But I still think the secondary is the strength of this team, and you know, for for them. It's going to play into their favor because I think this offense is going to score a lot of points. So what's going to happen, you're going to have teams have to go to the pass more to be able to 
you, you know, compete with this team, that this offense that's scoring points, which plays right into the secondary's uh, hands because that gives them a chance to do what they do. Last thing, Teron, before we let you go, the Titans open up the preseason Thursday night in Green Bay. What's something you're looking forward to seeing in in a real live game situation? Uh, the thing I'm looking looking forward to seeing the most is these guards getting out in space on on these screen plays, you know, and, and actually being able to literally run somebody over, you know, being able to break down and deliver a real block to to knock somebody out of the way, so that the running backs or tight ends are are able to to make something happen. That's what I'm looking forward the most because uh, you know I want to see a guy like a Josh Klein. Um, I saw him a couple times get out in space and then you know make blocks. It was like, okay, well, if they, if the defender was really going at him, you know, would he be able to, to have that same effect on his, on his block? So I, I want to see the, the offensive line play, the defensive line play. The, those are things that you can't really see in practice, you know, because, you know, the guys aren't really able to go 100%. But then I also want to see these running backs, you know, specifically uh, Dalen uh, Daniels, I think his name is, and, and Akron Wadley. I want to see these yeah. guys, you know, because they've been impressive. Uh, they hit the outside, like like Wiley on Tuesday. He hit the outside, and, and <laughs> he took off, man. Uh-huh. No one was catching him. He, you know, ran it all the way to the end zone. So that's what I want to see because right now what, what we're watching, you know, it's pretty much stud. Like, you're stopping on contact. I want to see how these guys are able to run through the contact, like real contact. So that's something that, that I want to watch. Teron, this has been awesome. Thank, thanks so much for your time. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for your opinions and analysis. We really appreciate it. No problem. It's my pleasure. Again, really appreciate Teron hopping on with us. Go follow him on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. Again, that's at tdavenport underscore NFL. He is going to do a phenomenal job, as you just heard, on the Titans beat. That's the guy that uh, watches a lot of film and really knows what he's talking about when it comes to the NFL. Um, Before we close out the episode with our final topic, I was able to talk with uh, Pro Bowl and All-Pro cornerback Malcolm Butler after Tuesday's practice of Titans training camp and get his thoughts on the upcoming preseason game. So here is my interview with Malcolm. Looking forward to playing a real game on Thursday. Uh, most definitely. Uh, you know, we've been battling each other all camp. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be great, you know, go out and get some other talent. So, looking forward to it. What's the biggest thing that changes for you as a corner going from the practice field to actually being in a real full contact game? Um, nothing much really is a difference. You know, you're going to practice how you play. The only thing is left out is some of the more extra physical parts like tackling and things like that. But, uh, no, none that's different. You just got to tackle and be more physical and just play how you've been playing. Since you've come in here, you've been a really energetic presence. You've already inserted yourself as a big leader on the defense. Why was it important to you for when you came in here to have that attitude of being a leader? Um, you know, you, you know, I'm a leader that, you know, don't talk too much. I'm a leader that, you know, speak when I think it's right to speak. And we already have leaders on this team, you know, Kevin Bay, Logan Ryan. You know, Casey, and, uh, you know, you got to earn your respect around here. So um, I might some, say something here and there, but at the end of the day, you know, actions speak louder than words anyway. So I would rather, you know, lead by actions. How's Kenny been fitting in so far? Uh, pretty good, you know. Uh, I think it's the second day, third day, something like that. So uh, he's finding his way. Uh, you know.
know, you just got to learn the rules just like everybody else. Is there anything particular that you and your fellow defensive backs want to accomplish Thursday night? Maybe something you want to see translated from the practice field to the, the playing field? Uh, just play your best ball, you know, while you're out there. Uh, whenever you're out there, just play your best ball from the veterans to the rookies. Uh, just got to go out there and just practice how you play, you know. You can't just you can't practice terribly and go in the game and have a great game. You know, sometimes work that way, but for the most part, you're going to practice how you play play and um, practice hard. You got to practice hard. The thing we've seen with your group so far the most has been this my man catch no balls mentality. How has that and, and what Coach Coombs is doing for you guys, you guys seem to have a really close bond, kind of like the offensive line has developed. How is that going to help you guys in the long run to have that bond? Uh, we're going to help us a lot, you know. Uh, spend time with each other on and off the field. You know, that most definitely help us, you know, believe in each other, you know, get more comfortable with each other. And um, But at the end of the day, it's all about executing plays and winning games. And my man catch no balls, you know, that's a great logo. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody understands what we're trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, your man going to catch balls. But you know what we're trying to get to. So my man catch no balls still. Good luck in Green Bay. Thanks, thank Malcolm. You. All right, thank you. So before we wrap up, uh, we asked Teron this, and now I want to ask you guys. Uh, one thing you're looking forward to in the preseason game, and for me it's the running game because you can't tackle in practice, and so it's going to be interesting to see between Lewis and Henry what they're able to do. Uh, I just want to see the offense um, operate efficiently. Uh, I see receivers running the routes they're supposed to, um, and I just want to see the offense give us at least one drive uh, where they're moving the um, and they're using <laughs> proper offensive concepts uh, to get open um, and pulling the trigger at the right time um, on, on pass plays in particular. Uh, although I do want to see how the run game plays out as well. Yeah, I want to see the defense. Like I want to see the defensive backs be as good as they've been in practice. I want to watch a defense that I'm not – afraid the whole time I'm watching them that the three-man rush isn't going to get there and they're going to give up a big play. I don't think we're going to have a problem with three-man rushes anymore because Dean Peace is here. And um, three-man rushes don't work. Ever. Ever. Nor nor have they ever. Like, so they they work against really bad quarterbacks and that's it. So, I mean, I'm tired of seeing that. I can't wait to see, you know, Malcolm Butler versus whoever's taking Randall Cobb's place for a few snaps. Like, I, I'm really interested to see how the defensive backs do, and I really want to see if they show any of that. It's not called an ask car package, but it, that, that's what, it, what we became famous with with the Giants where you put, you know, three or four defensive ends on the field and had them just rush straight up field. I mean, they've been showing that look in practice, like Teron said, where they put – Derek Morgan and Harold Landry on one side. Yeah. I'd really be interesting if they put those two on one side and Casey and Aaron Wallace on another for two or three snaps and just let them go and didn't even blitz anybody else. I'd, I'd really like to see that, but just something aggressive and something fun on the defensive side for once. So I'm not having to explain why, you know, it's okay that we're doing a three man rush. Brian, a Pro Bowl pass rusher, Brian Aragpo is dropping in a coverage. Yeah, like I. I, I <laughs> I'm so tired of rationalizing. I just want to see a defensive coordinator who uses common sense and isn't afraid to gamble. 
All right, we will be back over the weekend to recap what is sure to be a fun preseason opener for the Titans. Uh, the kickoff of that game in Green Bay will be Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, that's it for us. We'll be back this weekend. Until then, uh, big thanks to Tehran, to Malcolm Butler, to Blaine Gabbert. And uh, for Matias Wadner and Bo Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We will talk to you guys this weekend. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.